What up, everybody? This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 36. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for taking a little time out of your day, your commute. You're Hopefully, you're on your way to scoring some waves. So thank you very much for sitting with us uh, for the next uh, two hours or so. Um, same old, same old been going on here. Nothing too crazy. Uh, you know, there's a little bump in a swell coming up next week that I'm excited about. And, you know, I'm excited because I'm actually headed out of town right after this little bump comes in. And usually right before I head out of town, it's flat. And then when I'm out of town, it's pretty good. And I think maybe I broke the, the curse <laughs> finally. Cause last time when I was in NYC, um, everybody was scoring here for like, you know, a three, four day period. And when I came out, it just went dead. Um, so I'm glad I'm going to be catching some of it. Um, I'll be heading to the outer banks with the family for our yearly vacation. Um, I'm glad, uh, the forecast for there looks pretty fun too. Uh, nothing big, just loggable. Um, hooked up with some local people that are going to hook me up with some boards. So I don't have to worry about that. Thank you for everyone, uh, who reached out over Instagram uh, to make that happen. I really appreciate it because I don't want to pay 300 bucks to lug a board there and back. And I know there's been some times I've been in the Outer Banks where basically for a week there's nothing. Um, and then, you know, you've paid all this money and you have a board underneath your beach house that you're just like looking at. So anyway, um, how have you guys been doing? I hope you guys have been scoring. Uh, you know, there's been something out there. Um, wherever you are, whether you be in Southern California, whether you be on the Northeast, uh, whether you be uh, down South, Central America, South America, wherever, I hope you guys are scoring. Uh, we had our premiere uh, for Lucy's uh, last Friday and it went really well and I'm really excited um, to announce that we'll have two premieres here in California uh, in July, one in San Diego and one in Los Angeles. Uh, the, exact, the exact dates are gonna be worked out, um, but we're trying to figure out how to get um, some sponsors involved, um, a charity component, so we're making a little money for something good. Um, you know, if we're going to bring people together, we might as well, you know, support a cause that's, that's righteous and, and goes back into the surf community or into the environment. So working that all out. So stay tuned for that. Uh, this past weekend, actually, um, you know, I was really privileged to be invited to a memorial paddle out, um, for, uh, Mishiaki Ishida of, uh, of Amsterdam wetsuits by Joel. Uh, and I got to be a part of that. And, you know, it's it's a really humbling experience to be a part of something like that. Uh, I didn't know many people there. I knew a couple of people and I didn't know uh, Mitch personally, uh, but, you know, his influence on surfing and the, you know, what he's done for our kind of, you know, our surf culture um, is is amazing. And, you know, I felt I needed to pay my respects and seeing that much love for someone, you know, in one place was pretty, pretty awesome. And I'm glad I got to be a part of it. Um, so thanks to Joel for inviting me and to all the people we were hanging out with. I couldn't stay too long cause I was with the family and you know, when you have a baby, you kind of have those responsibilities, but anyway, it was a pretty cool thing. And, uh, yeah, I was really humbled by it, but anyway, let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Board Crew podcast, volume 36. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, 
bodegaborker.podbean.com as well as the uh, full description of this episode on your iTunes player for track listings, things we're talking about, things pertaining to things we're talking to people with. Um, this week, we have a very special guest, uh, Chris Gentile of Pilgrim. Uh, Chris is someone I've actually crossed paths um, outside of surfing through former design and art interests, uh, having shows in Williamsburg. We have a lot of mutual friends, so it was great to sit down with him and talk to him about how you know he got his start in surfing and uh, how he sees that being a part of the New York City art culture, which a lot of people don't realize it's becoming a big part of. So it was really cool to sit down with him. Uh, I also go into talking about uh, hydrofoil boards, uh, which is a new trend that a lot of people are seeing popping up in lineups. And just want to give you my quick take on that based on um, them getting outlawed in some beaches in France, which is kind of interesting. We have a couple of short takes. Uh, first short take has to do with Grant Noble's uh, boards that he's been shaping for Russell are finally starting to hit the market. Uh, so we talk about that. Uh, there's a video of the Bing team uh, at the Mexi Log Fest, uh, which I think is great. And then the Stab Magazine coverage of the Cosmic Creek uh, classic, uh, you know, at Salt Creek that Visla puts on, uh, which is a really cool surf festival, and I get into depth about that. But anyway, um, I'm not going to hold you guys too, too much longer here with my babbling. I just want to get into these tracks and then I'll check in with you guys in a little bit with uh, Chris's interview. Peace. Smoking section, first class tickets to resurrection, forever destined. 
blasphemy. Got yourself caught in a motherfucking tragedy.
the loudest one. Representing BK to the fullest. Gats are bullet. Bastards ducking when Big B bucking. Chicken heads be clucking in my back room fucking. It ain't nothing. They know Big B handling with the Mac in the act door paneling. Bandaging MCs. Oxygen they can't breathe. Mad tricks up the sleeve. Red boxes so my dick can breathe. Breeze through with the Q45 by my side. Miracle high. And those that brushes my clutches get put on crutches. Get smoked like touches from the master. Hate to blast ya, but I have to. You see, I smoke a lot. Your life is played out like Kwame and them fucking polka dots. Who rock the spot? Biggie, you know how the weed go. Unbelievable. Put down on my mind, cause I know when I touch the mic, it's the wrong. 
See, murder, which is cause when you fuck with the negative and positive charge. Then I came up out my garage with the head that's gonna be lost. Tired of sitting on my fucking ass. Niggas, I know, be running around with mad fucking cash. Who the fuck wanna be an MC if you can't get paid to be a fucking MC? I came on my mama pussy, I'm on welfare. 26 years old, still on welfare. So I gotta get paid for that, whether it's true for that or untrue for that. With my Boston bloodthirsty process, P-E-A-C-A. Move them and move them and move them out, move them out, stick it up. Yeah, gotta come back to attack. Killing niggas who said they got stacks, cause I don't give a fuck. I wanna see blood, whether it's period blood or busting your fucking face. Some blood going out my fucking mind. Every time I get around devils, let me calm down. You niggas better stop running, cause I'm coming. I'm dope like fucking heroin. Wu-Tang bloodkin, a goblin who come tough like lambskin. Imagine getting shot with old dirty insulin. You're bound to catch age or something. Not saying I got it. But nigga, Yo, if I got it, you got it. Check the shit. Strong what? like Tostick. Then I remain to tear your brain while I freaks it. Like some fly new sneaks and shit. Now eat my shit. Kids try to creep and got hit. Now regulate. And I'll be out to set up a date. Wu-Tang is banging like a raw G-Tape. Rizza, pump the shit just like a shoddy. Watch him running like John Gotti. Lodding on the track like Jen and Waddy. Check the calendar. I want any challenger to step up. Build the blast on the silencer. Move them in, move them out, move them out, stick it up. <laughs> Coming soon to a theater near you, it be the woke. Yeah, find yourself in the square and see it's true. Actual facts to snack on and chew. My positive energy sounds peace to you. A wise man killed one horse and made glue. Wicked women putting period blood in stew. Don't that make the stew witches brew? I fear for the 85 that don't got a clue. How could he know what the fuck he never knew? God say for the bond, come to show and come to prove. A mystery god, that's the work of Yaku. The Holy Ghost got you stared to death, kid. Boo! Boo! Yeah. We always gotta keep it fly. Fly for you to feel what you want to feel. See, Wu Tang like to thank all the people across the country, all the people in America, all the people outside of America for listening to our music. We gotta keep it fly for you. See, this ain't something new that's just gonna come out of nowhere. No, this is something old and dirty. Welcome back to the Bodega Board Crew Podcast, Volume 36. Hope you guys been digging what we've been laying down. Um, how to put in that Uncle track. Uh, that Uncle album that James Lavelle did with DJ Shadow is probably one of my favorite albums. Uh, I would put it in my top 20 of best albums of all time just because it's such an interesting take on hip-hop and trip-hop and DJ music. And having someone like DJ Shadow do the mixing behind it is amazing. Having 
Cool G Rap rap on a song is fucking ill. And uh, that's why I had to include that one. But it's an album that gets often overlooked. I know the Uncle Project has taken on different incarnations over the years. Like some have gotten a little bit more like rocky. Some have gotten a little bit more acid and trippy. But this was the first one that kind of put its um, foot down and kind of said this is the direction it's going in. And I love it. I definitely suggest you check out the whole album. I had the privilege of one time seeing DJ Shadow mix the entire album as a DJ set at, I think it was a HM, H, whatever, whatever that record store was that was in, uh, in Union Square for a while. Um, not Tower Records, it was something else. HMV, I can't remember what it was. Um, but he basically condensed the whole album into a, I think it was like a 30 minute DJ set and he was live mixing the whole thing. And this is way before, you know, computer mixing and laptops and all that stuff came into effect. I mean, obviously it was all off of dats and sampling and all that and drum loops, but it was sick because if you had the album and saw it happening, it just like totally tripped you out. But anyway, check it out on iTunes. Uncle, the first album, artwork by Futura 2000, one of the best graffiti artists that's ever lived. Uh, but speaking of New York, uh, let's get into this interview. So I sat down with Christian Teal outside his shop at Pilgrim in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And I'm just going to give you a warning ahead of time. It was all outside. There's trucks that go by. There's planes that go by. There's all this stuff. There's people yelling. There's people that walk in and out. I wanted to leave that all in and I fixed it as best I could because for me, this is kind of the interview style that I like to do where it just feels like you're a fly on the wall and you're just hanging out with someone and having a beer or two. Um, so without further ado, uh, here's the interview and I hope you guys enjoy. Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Rhode Island, and, and like people refer to as South County, but it's a Kent County, um, Kent County Hospital, uh, which is in Warwick. Okay. Um, but yeah, my family in Rhode Island are all from like that the southern part, the southern part of Rhode Island. So okay. Uh, Wickford. Um, so close to Connecticut, kind of. Um, it's it's um, the Connecticut border is probably like a half an hour. Okay, so from where right. like yeah, so yeah, very close. Rhode Island is. It's a funny place. It's super provincial, you know. Yeah. People don't leave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, it's uh, it's it's really um, um, a kind of a, a crazy coastline. It's really fragmented. So there's like the Jamestown Bridge goes to Jamestown, which is an island that sits in the middle of Narragansett Bay. Bay. And then there's the Newport Bridge that goes from Jamestown to Newport. Okay. And there's a bunch of waves over in Newport, and you know, there's surf all over. You know, all the fingers of Rhode Island, but. If you lived in Newport, you you wouldn't pay like the, the toll to go over two bridges to go surf, right? Uh, you know, down at Matunic or Point Judith or Narragansett, and likewise, they, the people on that side never went over there really. I mean, occasionally, but it was very rare. So it, those bridges and kind of uh, separated everyone. Yeah, and you know, surf. You know, when you're a kid and younger, like just don't have. You're not gonna spend no. three dollars on tolls <laughs> when there's no, waves no. in your backyard. <laughs> so how, how so, did you get into surfing? Uh, my uncle was a huge influence on me um, in that way, uh, and he and his gaggle of friends were surfing in Rhode Island in the early '60s. Some of the first guys I, um, that I can that I can see that were you know, surfing, um, and they had surf shops in like Cranston, Rhode Island. You know that were like, oh, wow. which is like nowhere nowhere near the beach. Yeah, <laughs> it's like kind of crazy. Yeah, there, uh, and my uncle became friends with uh, the guy that owned the one shop, uh, whose name was. Uh, Charlie Phillips, uh -huh. who um, 
became the dealer for Jim Phillips, and Jim Phillips used to come to Rhode Island and do these shaping stints in the, uh, all through the 60s and 70s. And uh, my uncle and his, his buddy, uh, Albert Wilcox, who's like a 14th generation um, fisherman boat builder uh, from Rhode Island, um, has an amazing family history, built beautiful, like uh, plank strip mahogany fishing oh, vessels. Wow. and. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a legend. His father is even more of a legend, Don, Don Wilcox. But they, they met Jim and um, uh, helped him uh, for, I think, several uh, seasons, like sanding, uh, sanding boards. And, oh, that's know, pretty cool. Like setting fins. And, um, yeah, we, we sell Jim's boards in the shop, and he's, he's, uh, he's a master. He's oh, yeah. Master. Yeah, so I grew up in around, and then when I was, like, uh, around 12, uh, my mom... Uh, and my next stepfather got divorced, and um, she wanted to just get away. And none of our family had ever left Rhode Island, uh, so we we, uh, we moved to um, Southwest Florida, which was like oh. totally shocking for me. Yeah, that's yeah. polar opposites. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And to be that young, you know, it's like you know, your world gets flipped upside down. But the um, you know the cool thing was, uh, ter terrible thing was, uh, I was getting into surfing then. I caught my first wave around age nine, um, but back then you just there were no winter wetsuits, so you kind of did it, you know, like a seasonal thing. But really into skateboarding um, at that time, um, really into the punk and hardcore scene that was, uh, you know, um, in, in Rhode Island. And we moved down to Florida, and none of there's there's nothing. There's no waves on Santa Island. <laughs> there's a little wave on Captiva every now and then. Um, there was no skate parks. There was no ramps. You know, kids were just kind of getting into it down there. They were a little behind. Um, on what that. year was this time? This is, uh, I think, 1985. So it was like it was like after like the, the like kind of the, the boom died out too. It's like skateboarding kind of like died for like a little bit. Died for a minute, but this is just what it was like coming back. This was like that summer was one of the one of the most important summers I think of my life because um, you know it was a big transition. Go down to Florida. One of my be my best friend came down. You know, we were out of school. My, my mom asked his mom, said, "Hey, look, can you come down?" He came down for like a month and a half. Uh, my friend Joey and we basically were you know, we lived in this area where there are all these houses, the big development, all these houses being built all around us. So we were doing the classic, you know, skate. Found some other kids that skated. We all became you know fast friends. We'd skate over to the construction site uh -huh. after five o'clock. <laughs> get four sheets from that spot, <laughs> wheel the boards over, get, you know, line up all the two by fours yeah. you know, on the, on the, uh, on the, on the four by eight sheets, then put some more sheets on top of that, <laughs> some more two by fours until, you know, like the tails and the nose, the you know, tails of the boards were like starting to sag. Yeah. Like, okay, it's enough. Then we just push, like kids just pushing like a stack of, like a two foot tall fucking <laughs> stack of like, you know, building materials, like four by eight feet, like down the street. And yeah, man, we were like, we were just building ramps and obstacles and, um, it was magical, you know. So yeah, so that was like a little snapshot of my of my childhood. But that was right when like you know, the Bones Brigade one came out. Um, we were all losing our minds. It was like the was they like, were starting doing those tours and stuff. Yeah, there was like a, a few contests happening in Fort Myers. And, yeah, uh, but it was just skate like eight hours a day in the fucking 95, 98 yeah. degree like heat with 80, you know, 90 percent. Yeah, yeah. We all just, we were just like, you know, hooked. Yeah, I mean, that's like the magic, like, when did you first start doing, because I remember, like, I started in, like, 87, 88, and it was that kind of thing where it's like, you don't even realize that what time it is, you have no sense of 
friends. It's like kind of like you don't know anything else. Um, and it's funny you're talking about the stealing the wood from the construction site or borrowing the wood from the construction sites. Um, <laughs> we used to do that shit in New York all the time when they started building like condos and shit. We were like just like busting and like who has a circular saw and a jigsaw? All right, we're gonna like try to like measure out this ramp. We don't even know what we're doing. Yeah. Like put it together. You know, you watch all those like videos like Savannah Slammer and all that. You're like, I think that's what the ramp looks like. Like it, that's <laughs> there was no like internet or plans. No, you made shit with shitty transitions. <laughs> yeah, the transitions were always the worst. You know, <laughs> but then in a way that kind of made you a better skater. Like, yeah. and you would figure it out. You tear, we would tear stuff apart and rebuild it. And I mean, it's incredible if you think about it because this was happening all over the country. You know, and people, kids were inspired to like learn how to build things. You know, like I remember having this teacher and uh, who was like, he's like, you know, you like skateboarding, you like all those ramps, you know, that's all geometry. You know, my geometry teacher, and I was like, oh shit, I better pay attention to geometry, yeah, yeah. and like, and I did because, it, and it was, and I yeah, started figuring out how to loft things, like because I started paying attention. Uh, but, the but yeah, it was like the such an amazing time. It's so like, so hard to recreate. You can't really recreate those. No, things. I don't just think like, you ever will. It's like a confluence of all this mm -hmm. stuff happening. But you know that. There's a the Bones Brigade, um, the autobiography, you know, the documentary yeah. about it. Um, they did like a, a, a premiere kind of screening of it uh, here in uh, in New York in a small theater in I think the Soho Grand Hotel. And um, uh, Russ Pope, my friend Russ, was working for Vans at that time, and he invited me. And um, it was a small group of people, and um, Lance Mountain was there, um, Mike McGill, and uh, Rodney Mullen. And you know I. I, we're, we live in New York. We see celebrities all the time. We, we have celebrities yeah. as customers. I don't get. I don't get excited about celebrities. Like, yeah, I just don't. I mean, they're people, right? You know? right. I mean, it's cool. Like, yeah, you, you've done some great things, but they're people, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of the way they most of them want to be treated. But those guys, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I nerd out on, and yeah. um, I, I just remember like you know, that, 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 the moment in that uh, when that ended. In, to talk to those guys. I remember just talking to Lance and, I, and we're having a cool little conversation. I said, you know, you guys, you and you know all the all the all the people that you know are, were the players um, in that in that moment, like really inspired like this entire generation of, of creatives. Like mm -hmm. you talk to most people that like that are in their late thirties, like early forties, mid forties, fifties, like you know what was. You know, Big driving force in their life, like creative people, creative agencies, painters, yeah. art, you know, artists, photographers, and if that doesn't come up, it's you know, it, something's wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. I mean, it, it does all the time. Like every time I talk to someone about it, it's like, oh my god, you know. And when you start referencing like weird things, yeah. like little like pieces of those films that you know had like some kind of a um, you know an influence on you, and everyone knows what you're talking about. Well, if you also, like, think about it, that era, too, it's kind of crazy the people that were involved in it. Like, the story, like, I'm an art director by trade. This is what I do. I didn't realize I wanted to do that until, like, I, I picked up this one issue of Transworld Skateboarding. Like, I fell in love with it. Like, I was like, there's something about it, blah, blah, blah. And years later, I realized I went to go see David Carson speak, and he talks about, oh, yeah, that's the first thing I was an art director on was that issue. And I'm like, yeah, see, it's, like, all connected. And, like, what Spike was doing, like, Spike was doing, like, that... I don't know if you remember that thing, Club Homeboy. Oh yeah. Like he was awesome. doing that shit, like him, and that's yeah. what became. They eventually became Girl and Chocolate. Like 
like that whole era, like everybody, Mark Gonzalez, Nottis, like Nottis drawing on his grip tape. Everybody started drawing on their grip tape. Like yep. you go buy paint markers and you you get them so they like you use them so much that they burnt out on the like the grip tape. They were just like grinded down yep. and you draw like stupid shit. But, oh like, yeah. But you saw it in the magazines, right? You see like Mark Gonzalez doing a boneless and it and it had like some crazy drawing. You're like, oh, I want to do that. Like, yep. That was yep. like the shit, you know. And now it's like different. But um, how did you? Um, how long did you live in Florida? Um, I went well. I went to high school there, which was hell on earth. Um, <laughs> and then um, I went to uh, I went to undergraduate school um, at Ringling, like Sarasota, Florida, okay. for um, uh, for sculpture and um, photography. And then uh, then I went to grad school after that in North Carolina. So that was uh, I, I, was, I lived in Florida until I was I'm trying to think like twenty. So, uh-huh. you know, it was like my, my high school years and my basically my college years. Okay. And how did you get back into surfing? Like, kind of, like... Well, I always, I surfed, I mean, I surfed on the West Coast, and, I mean, I was, like, you know, I, I, I would be damned not to surf, and we came back to Rhode Island every summer, so... I, oh, okay. Yeah, so I got to surf every summer in Rhode Island, and then, um, and then, uh, when there were waves, we surfed uh, on Captiva. Okay. And then we did the three-hour trip across the state of Florida. Uh, and you know, at three o'clock in the morning, uh, when we, we started getting friend, first friend got a car, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've got lots of crazy stories about driving across the middle of Florida <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning um, with uh, just a bunch of degenerate, degenerate uh, <laughs> friends. Uh, but we, yeah, but we uh, we jonesed, and you know, I got really into skimboarding too, which is funny. You know, I always joke about it. Um, I've got photos of me with like aqua socks on, <laughs> running over the shelly beaches of uh, Captiva, like you know, with like. You know, green flames like you know, <laughs> sprayed on my uh, on my uh, on my skimboard. There's a, a guy uh, that had a uh, back when you know guys would shape um, windsurfers like surfboards. Yeah. Uh, there was this awesome guy. I'm trying to remember. I, God, I can't believe I can't remember his name, but his company was called Faux Rock, uh-huh. um, and he had the funniest like funniest accent, like really passionate windsurfer. And like the skimboard, and he started making skimboards, so he started sponsoring us. Oh, cool. So, like, I, my friend Danny and I would get boards from him, and uh, we'd enter contests and shit. And, you know, it well, it's, a, it's the closest progression from, like, it's, it's I, because I used to, did, like, kind of do it just fucking around. It's really similar to, like, jumping on a skateboard. Like, it's like throwing your skateboard yeah. jumping on it. Like, 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 okay, I'm gonna grind a curve. Like, it's just, that's how it felt like to me. Like, it's yep. just, like, toss it, boom, get on it, here's a wave, like, slash across it. Oh, it's 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 so fun. I mean, I have done it, I, I, I've done it in the past couple of years uh, in like little waves, and I, I've really fucked myself up. Yeah. It's it's scary. It's not it's not it's not easy. It's like it's um it, it hurts, and I mean, who doesn't like watching like a really good skimboarder like yeah. like throw a board uh, into like like head high shore break and. Those guys are mental. I mean, Dude, that's gnarly. Amazing. I would never do that in a million years, man. And no it's so goddamn hard, like the timing and oh. um, what's the uh, gosh, why well, can't I remember his name? Austin. Uh, I gotta look it up. There's this kid who's, I think he's in Laguna. He's um, I, I I follow him on Instagram and I, I I'll just I'll just look through his feed and just froth because he's uh, he's so good. Uh, See that guy with the long hair. He's got dreads. Yeah, yeah, uh, that guy. Yeah. Um, I think his last name is uh, uh, 
Keen, yeah, Austin Keen. Yeah. yeah, he's doing like he sometimes gets more turns on waves than I see like most surfers get. Like, <laughs> like it's kind of insane to watch. Like I'm like, oh my god, this guy's like totally just tossing there. Oh, he's obsessed in you know the stuff he does in boat wakes. Yeah, but it's like I think we live in such a cool time now. There's just so many different ways of interpreting like um, like board riding, you know, yeah. surfing. And, um, but skimboarding was such a cool thing because it's what it did for me. What I realized later on in life is like it actually like kind of teaches you how to use the rails of a surfboard better you yeah, know because yeah. it's all you have yeah so you know you go you throw the thing into the shore break and you're coming at it like you know you're, you're, you're perpendicular to the wave and then you're coming at it with so much speed and you have to lay all of your weight into the you know, into the turn and it's all on the edge yeah you know and um they see tom kern like what he's doing right now like in what people are experimenting with with like these jump offs and stuff that are just like it's 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 incredible. That's true. I never thought of it that way. It, yeah. I mean, I used to mess around with it a little bit, but it's kind of like it was more of a thing. Like I did a fire island. Like I'm like, okay, we have one at the house. Like a little short break. Like let's have fun, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, when did you move to New York? I moved to, to New York in 2002. Okay. Um, and uh, what for? Uh, to pursue my career as a visual artist. Okay. Um, I had, I was in grad school. Um, I I got a Carolina in Chapel Hill, like 96 and 98, and then I, then I went to, uh, I moved to Richmond, Virginia, and I worked, uh, I worked, <laughs> some people yelling out of the window, uh, and I moved to, um, See, this is honestly, like, what I miss about living in Brooklyn, <laughs> like, this is honestly, like, 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 I don't get this in LA, I'll never get this in LA, and it's, like, what I love. But we got a baby crying, we got people hanging out of the window yelling, there's helicopters flying That's over. the best, this is, like, 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 there's a part of me that, like, I've been one of these transplants. I'm like, I'm never going to move back to L.A. And I just rode, like, like a city bike from Fort Greene to here. And it's, like, my old route. And I'm like, I miss it. But that was, like, kind of awesome. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this New York, man. Um, to, yeah, L.A. is, I mean, I don't know. I dream about moving there all the time. It's, uh, especially in You know what's March. good about L.A. for being from here? This is the thing that's good about it. You could still be from here and live there. Like, you could still be, like, New Yorker. There's other New Yorkers, and they get you, they know your vibe, and it's like being at home. Like there's just something about it. At least for me, like I've been lucky enough that most of my friends from my from my like teens live there. Oh, cool. So like I, I like it's like home. <laughs> nicer weather. <laughs> well, it's like LA weather right now. It's amazing, oh yeah, here. Right? So it's great. Um, yeah, so no, do. anyway. So anyway, I moved to Richmond, Virginia to to teach. Um, I taught at Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, uh, after grad school, and then um, they asked me if I was interested in teaching in the Middle East. In this, oh wow! In, in Qatar, they have a branch campus there, so oh. I went and did that for two years, which was incredible. So that was a life changer. And then um, I just had this moment where I realized, uh, you know, I didn't want to be an academic artist. I, I really needed to come here, where a lot of my friends were, and pursue my passion and, um, uh, and be in a dialogue with people. Um, and so. I left and uh, left a really, really comfortable, well-paying <laughs> job that gave me basically two months off in the summer to oh, uh, to move here and you know get ground to a nub. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's the best best thing I think I, I, I ever did. Um, but yeah, that was uh, you know, and I was surfing. I'm, I've always been a surfer you know, uh -huh. since since I was a kid, at an early age, and um, you know, was any chance I had to do it, I would do it. Even when I lived in North Carolina, I would spend a lot of time in the Outer Banks. Um, take where, the, where did you surf in the OBX? 
Um, I spent a lot of time, like, kind of like in the Emerald Isle area. Oh, like so south, south. Yeah, and um, and and um, uh, Wilmington. Um, you know, the, um, uh, Wrightsville. Yeah, and then um, the ways are way better there because we stay at Kitty Hawk all the time. Yeah, and it's kind of like. It is what it, I mean. I don't go to surf, but it's like there's ways. You can get really good there. I mean, and then you know, um, I spent a lot of time in like the proper outer banks, like in the like the Frisco, uh, you know, Hatteras, and, yeah, um, S turns. I can surf all those places a bunch. And, um, take the take the long haul, go down, camp out, you know, on the weekend. There's waves. And that was a cool time. Um, Cause it's still like actually like North Carolina is amazing. Like the, the beaches there and the coastline because it's it's like the uh, when you're from the Northeast, like in the summertime, a lot of people, a lot of Californians and a lot of Australian friends that come here and they experience this, they freak out. They're like, "Are you kidding me? You're gonna pay to go on the fucking beach? You have to pay a person on a booth to go on the beach, or you have to, <laughs> have to pay to park your car? Forty dollars? What? Yeah, I mean, everybody, Rhode Island, it, everyone's got their hand out. It's like yeah. a, it's a revenue machine. Uh, but when you and you know when you go down to the Outer Banks, or then if you get out to like you know the East End, of, like everything is so privatized and you know and, and you have to be privileged to yeah. to be able to access the you know the, the beach um when you get on the outer banks it's like the proletariat you know yeah whatever it's like you just do whatever you want and yeah. there's like it's kind of what california is like in a lot yeah. of ways too um so uh yeah but there's there's it's it's beautiful it's like a, no i love it there. i mean we go every summer i got married there so um me too oh, <laughs> where did you get married there? um oh my gosh um, um yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. I was. I, we did it in Duck. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, we're actually going in three weeks. We rent like almost the same house every year in Kitty Hawk on the water. That's awesome. I tell everyone to go. I'm like, dude, it's like two grand for like a three bedroom house on the water, like for a week. Like, where are you gonna get that? Like, you're not gonna get. And, and where it's like, like what you were saying about like it's like free rain on the beach. Like we got married on the beach, and they told us they're like, look, it's a public beach. There might be. I'm like, yeah, that's why we're here. Like. That's sort of like I. Well, you didn't pull a permit to do it. You didn't no, have, yeah, yeah, it was exactly. kind of this shit. Right, like right. it was kind of like, who gives a fuck? And right. like, like they were kind of like these these people. This like wedding planner we had was like kind of worried. I was like, no, this is why we come here. It's actually one of the reasons I love the North Shore. Like I always tell people, I'm like, the North Shore is like the Hawaiian version of the Outer Banks. Like for me, it feels like the same way. Like it's like rednecky, raw. raw yeah. Like do whatever you want. Be respectful, and you'll get respect back. Yep, the perfect spot. Yeah, it's cool. Who, it. who did you meet here that you surfed with when you moved here? Um, that's it. Yeah, the first couple of people that I met here, uh, let me meet right away. I mean, I met uh, my friend Vince, uh, who ironically is we're the same age, and uh, he grew up in Rhode Island too, and went to high school with my uh, with my cousins, uh, <laughs> but we never met, um, <laughs> so and so it was kind of weird. But uh, yeah, I met Vin, Vince or Vinny. Uh, Vince is a his last name is Sarek. He's a uh, super talented um, uh, sculptor artist. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, he's like a master automotive painter. So he's like you know, done crazy projects with uh, amazing like bike. car hood, like like a, like like um, like pearlescent. Uh, but was he jobs. the guy who was doing the stuff on the car hoods? He's done stuff on car hoods, but they're you know um, but he's he. He's not like a. He doesn't paint like um, representational things. Aren't no, you? no. But the here, so, uh, blonde curly hair. Yep. I know Vince. Yeah. I know Vince through Jason Miller. Oh, of course you know Jason Miller. Okay, so yeah, they're very close. And so Vince, Vince yeah. and Jason had their their studios right next to each other. Yeah. So right. So next time you see 
15 years old, I said hi. Awesome. Yeah. I'm this so is so crazy. Stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was in that whole world when I was here. Like, I used to do product design. Oh, wow. So I was in shows with Jason all the time. Like, crazy. That's why I was in that in Bart shop. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Bart, Bart Bettencourt. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I had so a little funny. company with my ex wife, and we were, like, in the, all the shows together. And we used to be the Future Perfect, and I knew Vince, and, like, David at Future Perfect. Yeah. Dave's, yeah. like, Dave was, like, my benefactor for years, like, paid my, my drug bills. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> he's cool. And Dave, yeah, Dave's really cool. He's, he's you know, he, I didn't know Vince surfed. I had no idea. Yeah, Vince is a good surfer, too. And he, he actually moved out to LA for a little while, and now he's back here. Uh, but, um, yeah, he and I like, like, would surf together. Uh, uh, you know, but I would also just like uh, I started going to Long Beach, surfing Long Beach, and I met this guy John Schultz one day. Uh-huh. He's kind of a like a underground New York legend in his own right. Uh, really beautiful surfer, um, uh, and just like a, a total surf turkey, like you know, nerd. Like loves surfboards. Has the, one of the most amazing quivers. Um, and I just remember paddling out. He was on like a like a a couple of. Uh, he and his, his friend Mike were on like a couple of fish, and, and, uh, and I was like, "This is like 2002 or 2003." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, no. what you, like, and you didn't see people riding no. twin keels." Yeah. Um, and I was super into all of that stuff. I was, you know, I was, you know, any chance I could, uh, you know, find out, and learn more about those kinds of uh, board builders, um, I would. And um, I had a Tyler had Zeke and had just made me a, um, a, a big pintail. Um, Longboard and the waves are like stomach high, uh-huh. like shoulder high, maybe. And um, I paddled out on that board, no leash plug, no leash. He saw me, he's like, for, I, I'm like looking at his board, and without hesitation, he's like, Hey, what kind of board is that? You know, yeah, you know and I just, yeah, we just had this exchange, and then we just became fast friends, and that was that, you know. And then I, then I got basically through, through John, like I got introduced to like a whole, this whole, like, you know community of people who were like really into riding these alternative quote yeah. unquote like boards and there at that time there too there was like a, a, a big message board kind of culture you know yeah. um, and where like people would like post about shapers and surfing and it was it was crazy like the shit that would go down on the on the message boards was was like ridiculous like like soap opera for for, oh, really? for grown ass <laughs> we're like Beefs were hashed out. And, you know, <laughs> was so much drama. It was. It was. And you had to wait for the patient reload. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. And then there's like a this guy Chris Gaby who I love. He's uh, like a FDNY guy and like a you know ex marine and just a salty salty character. But I love love him to death. He's he's awesome. Um, and he's good. He's a good surfer. Super passionate. He 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 was like uh, uh, he he was this fucking like turd stirring instigator on that, on that <laughs> thing man he would get people so riled up man and was he like the first like internet troll <laughs> he was the first he was the first internet troll hey what's up not much wrong hey guess what we're having an interview right now oh i'm sorry <laughs> this is ida hey how's it going house ida yeah full name all right talk to you in a minute Okay, thanks for that. <laughs> Kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Good 
Thanks. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Is that your kid? Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. How old? Uh, 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not Zyda. She's, uh, she's a force in nature. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that was uh, that was like a you know, New York surfing back then was a you know like the, New, there's been surfing in New York for a very long time. There's been a, a, a culture of it for a long time, and um, it's just been like it's a it's a it's an access thing. You know, people yeah. just haven't had like uh, the ability to access surfing. I don't know, think in the way that they do now. Um, up until probably like ten years ago. You know. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what's like, like when you came here to surf, you know, you're saying like 2002, 2003. Compared to now, I mean, I know like even in the last like three years that I've come here, like just like to visit, I've seen so many like board racks and like Surfrider Foundation stickers on cars and like shit like that. And I'm like, you know, like even like, when I lived here five years ago, I didn't see any of that fucking shit. Like, did, was there a point that it kind of flipped the switch, or do you think it was like a gradual thing to get where it is now? Um, I mean, I think it's been pretty gradual, and, but I, but I always I think it's always been here. I think it's just been in the background, and now it's in the foreground. You know, do you I, think that's just because of like technology, like social media, like definitely? I mean, that's had a, I think had a huge influence on you know, how people um, are able to access it, or just how it, how it's more visible. I guess yeah. better way to say it. But um, uh, yeah, it, it's it's there are definitely more people in the water. Um, but then I say that, and I know. I mean, we've had a really good surf in the past couple months. And yeah, you guys, you guys on the East Coast have scored a lot better than we have in like a year and a half. On the yeah. West Coast. it's like it's been crazy. And you know, I still surf by myself. You know, and I hear yeah. people all the time talking about crowds and getting frustrated. We have 120 miles of coastline yeah. on Long Island, and then there's New Jersey. And I mean, I've surfed some incredible days just in the past month. I mean, like incredible, like yeah. memorable surf with the people I went to surf with and that's it yeah I mean that's remarkable but you know the crowd thing is you know it's, it, it's a, a, a the argument for it when you hear people get fired up about it um, yeah there's definitely crowds where the waves are really good but you know people aren't like accustomed to really like looking around the corner as much anymore yeah um, and they or there's like a mentality like well this is where I surf so I'm going to keep going here <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a bad thing to have. I think you, can, you have to kind of, I don't know, for me that's boring. Like, I don't surf, like, I might surf the same, like, ten spots. Yeah. Like, they're still kind of like... It's like, a lot of variety. Yeah, yeah. it's like, I'm definitely, and it's what I'm in the mood for. Like, I'm like, eh, I want to go to, like, a beach break, or I want to go to, like, a point that, like, I could be lazy at, or I want something that's unpredictable, like, kind of thing. Like, I, I, I don't understand the surfers who go out there, like, 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 the people who are like 100% like malcriatics, I'm like, how do you not get bored of them? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you not like, like, I get it, but it's like, aren't you bored? Like, I can't. Like, even in a given week, I'm like hitting three different spots during that week. Like, no. I mean, and that is the beauty of the East Coast more than anywhere else. Like, I think there's so much variation. So there is, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of variation, but then also the, there's, uh, you know, we have a proximity thing where, you know, if you live in the city, if you got to do, if you have to get back, get to work, like there's, there's your limitations, yeah, like yeah. how far you can go, and, um, and, and it's really like the, the water temperature does a lot of, of weeding out. Yeah. You know, when it starts to get cold, if it if the water is like 38 degrees and it's overhead, like there's not a lot of people that will go and surf. Yeah. That's a that that just shrinks the yeah. you know the the um, you know the the, the 
piece of the pie is very, very small yeah. for that, that, that group of, of people who are willing to go uh, into that into those conditions. But um, but what's happening is, you know, with technology and I think with wetsuits, it's like it's, you see more and more people surfing good waves in the winter now, which is cool. I mean, um, but it's still, you can, you can, what I'm getting at is I think if you have an imagination here, you can still find line, waves and lineups and, 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 uh, and surf alone or surf with just a couple people. Yeah, it's like sort of the thing, like, I, I've been talking to people recently, like, a lot of people have been talking about, like, surfing in Alaska and stuff like that, which I was just like, get the fuck out of here, like, no fucking way you do that. And they were like, no, it's like uncharted territory. It's like, there's no one out there. Like, you go and surf, like, you'll find some random corner that, like, people don't surf at, you know? I find that, though, like, with the Outer Banks, too, as open as that is, and as many tourists come in and stuff like that, there's still, like, like when I've gone and surfed there, like, there have been, like, last summer I went, and I had a log down there, and we were there for a week, Five of those days I could surf and it was chest high. And there were still only like five people. Like there still wasn't like, and I was like. It's a beach break too, right? So yeah. you're not like, you're not like sitting at a uh, yeah. part of a, of, yeah. a, of, a, of a corner that has a peak that everyone's got a jockey for. Yeah, no, so no takeoff zone, nothing like that. Yeah. Just wave, kind of spread out kind of thing. Um, how did you, how did you start your shop, Pilgrim? How did that come about? Um, yeah, it's. This, I mean, I, I say that this fell in my lap to a lot of people. Um, uh, it wasn't something that I set out to do when I moved to New York. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that I even considered was having a retail store uh, or a brand um, or or a surf shop. Um, so yeah, it was a it was an interesting thing, and I, I I tell a lot of my friends that this store happened because I left a pair of boots on the on the roof of my car drove away in the winter time and uh, and then when I realized that um, I couldn't go and buy another pair of boots anywhere in Manhattan that I had to go it was a free, free internet that I had yeah. to wait to the weekend when I can go out to Long Island and go to Unsound to buy a, to buy a, pair of, <laughs> a new pair of booties so I could surf again I missed like a couple of good days of waves and I was really frustrated with myself and I was like man it'd be really cool if we had a little like car good surf shop in, in our neighborhood here. Then, like I know enough people that surf that live here. I bet you it would it would it would function. And if it was just like stocked with all the essentials, ding repair, back then DVDs, you know, yeah. uh, boots, gloves, wetsuits, like you know, the, like wetsuit repair, wax, leashes, and then just a little slice of like the kind of boards that I'm really into that I think other people would be into. Um, you know, like Rich Pavels and you know all these people that I was ordering boards from, Christensen at the time, like all these people I was buying boards from anyway, and then I thought, this could, this could really, I think it could work, and I almost, almost did it in 2004, um, in a space that's on Wythe Avenue, right uh, between um, uh, 7th and 8th, uh, my friend Shane had a little store there, and she was going to call it God We Trust, I don't know if you Yeah, 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 it was that thing that was kind of like this weird storefront, like it yep. like, had that like, that little window, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool, it's like a 500 square foot yeah, store yeah. and she was going to move she was like I'm going to take this other space you know um, you know and she knew that I, I we had chatted about it once and she knew she said, do you want to do you want to like take over this, this rent you know, the space it's a thousand dollars a month and I was like I'm like doing the math I'm like that's pretty reasonable I think we could we could probably make that work and um, I was all excited about it I kind of got some got my ducks in a row and I'm like oh this is going to be cool and then uh, yeah she she her other the other opportunity fell apart and she didn't end up leaving so I didn't end up doing it there and then 
three years later, um, yeah, three years later, uh, I was in San Francisco for a show, and I was getting boards from um, Manny Caro. Yeah. Uh, and Manny's like, yeah, you should, you should meet, uh, you should meet this guy John, who's got this shop that just opened up Mollusk, and I, and I was like, oh, what? and I looked it up, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like he's kind of doing something mm-hmm. similar to what I was thinking about doing here, and I met him, and like we, we just got along well, and. He's like, hey, why don't we just do this together? <laughs> yeah. We can, uh, you know, I've got a point of sale system. I have a, you know, um, I have a back of house, you know, set up that will work. Blah blah blah. And I thought, yeah, why not? I, I had a full. I was working um, at the time uh, at Condé Nast. Okay. Uh, I became like the creative director of their photo studios with my friend Jeffrey, um, uh, who's the director for many years. And so I had that. I had my art career. I had my studio. And um, these downstairs neighbors from the, in the building that we were on in um, uh, Metropolitan in, in uh, Kent, uh, they had a gallery um, called Secret Project Robot, mm-hmm. and they had a little storage room, and they had asked me initially if I was interested in renting it from them uh, to store things in. Yeah. And I thought, man, this could be the, this could be the shop, you know? And then I asked them, hey, can I, could I take this and maybe a little bit more of your space and pay you more rent? And, so I could have these loading dock doors that go out to the loading dock. I want to open up a little surf shop. And they were like, yeah, that sounds pitching. And, uh, and then I met John, and then we just oh we went God, for it. I totally remember when you had that. That was when it wasn't check cashing anymore. It was the other bar that it became. Well, there was the Duffs. Duffs, yeah. Duffs. And then, so we were, that, was in, that was on one corner of the block. And yeah, we were yeah. on the, we were on the yeah. ca- kitty corner. Like, you know, on My studio used to be in that big building. Which one? The, Kent, the 84 Kent building? Yeah. Yeah, that's a. I was funny. funny. Yeah, that that was a. That no, was I remember that. Like, like because I remember back then, like being like, why is there like surf shit here? Like, I don't understand it. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't get this. But that was a special time, and we, we were like, you know, screening films uh, with a shitty projector on yeah. the side of the oil tanks that were there. No, I remember. I remember yeah. all this like going down. That's so funny. I didn't realize that was like kind of the catalyst. For, like, yeah. So we did that, and that was there for five years, and you know. Through that, I met so many. I met some of my, my best friends, some of the some of the best people I know. I met through that through that shop. And I didn't realize how many people surfed in New York until we opened that shop, and it was crazy. Like people would show up from everywhere, and then people were coming from the island. And, um, we would have like cookouts, and, like on the sidewalk, and kegs of beer. And, you know, people drinking in solo cups. And the cops were really cool to us and let us do our thing. And like Tom Kern showed up one one night and like we borrowed amps and guitars and he played played the guitar with his bass player on the you know like crazy crazy stuff went down there like dick brewer uh, i mean like art brewer doing like just showing up and doing like a book sack we had so many weird moments with luminary people there um it was shocking um and so that was that was for that was a five-year run and uh, uh 2007 2012, I guess, right, yeah, and, um, yeah, we just, you know, John and I think we had, like, really different ideas about how we wanted to, like, grow uh-huh. the brand, and, I, and um, yeah, we just kind of, in a very friendly way, went, went our separate ways, and, um, and we had this opportunity with this space, to, you know, because we basically, our lease was up. Yeah, the classic Brooklyn. Classic Brooklyn. <laughs> lease was up. Amazing building full of amazing artists, uh, recording studios, uh, our little shop, um, 
amazing silkscreen studio in the, in the top floor of Care Rock and Wolfie. Uh, it was it was an incredible like hub of creativity and just sort of like one of the last holdouts of like uh, you know um, artist run um, experimental sort of like you know spaces. Yeah. The building eighty four was like that. Uh, yeah, that so got, everybody got dragged out. Everyone got dragged out. There couldn't be more background noise right now. There's like planes, diesel truck. <laughs> the whole thing gets crumbled. But the uh, hopefully the recording comes out right. But yeah, it was cool. We had a really, we had a really good run there. But then when it was, uh, when the lease was up, we, I, you know, I was like, the shop there was breaking even. Uh-huh. You know, wasn't making money. It was just doing, you know, baseline. We were able to pay like good people, like a decent salary to work there. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. It was too small to convert really, like a like a, a profit. Yeah. Yeah, you can't convert a profit selling surfboards at twenty. Market. No, the, and the market's the market up is huge. It's crazy. Yeah. So we had this opportunity to reimagine ourselves, and uh, you know, and I've always been interested in, in uh, apparel and in, uh, apparel design. Um, my grandmother was a seamstress; she was a garment worker part of her life early on. And she uh, had a sewing room I grew up in, and so I've always been really fascinated with clothing, and I love I love clothing. Um, uh, and I thought a customer doesn't really uh, buy the surf brands, and you know, but we could maybe build a brand around you know who our customers and what our community is like in New York. Right. That's basically you know, how we started Clover. And that's like, and so you have this shop here in Brooklyn, and you have you had a pop up, or you have one out. Yeah, we have a we have a shop in uh, Amagansett. Okay. Amagansett Square. Was that scary to kind of like open that up? Or? You know, it wasn't at all. It just it felt so good because it's so beautiful out there. You know, it's a really it's a really special place, um, and I wanted to be out there more. It reminds me a lot of Rhode Island. I lived for like part of my life in summer in, uh, when I was really young uh, on Block Island. Oh, okay. And it has a lot of similarities to Block Island, and I I love it. And it's 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 a, it's a wonderland. So. Um, the idea of opening up there wasn't scary at all. It was exciting, you know. And, and it wasn't uh, hard, you know. Like the, this, the name against the square is beautiful. There's other great people in it. Um, beautiful. Um, so you know, it was a uh, it was an easy decision to make, and it yeah, it's a it's a it's a profitable business out there. It does it does well, but it doesn't it doesn't do crazy numbers because we have basically like a three month like window to capture, you know. Yeah, because it's that summer crowd that's going out there. It's super seasonal, yeah. But the people I've met through that shop have been unbelievable. Doesn't Tin live out there? Yeah, Tin, Tin lives in, in Montauk yeah. uh, uh, with his wife, Lisa. Did, did you guys do something with him in that pizza clinic or something? Um, no, my, my friend Johan uh, did, yeah. Okay. He, has a, uh, he had a little space called, um, yeah, yeah, Johan and Lila have a little space, uh, did have a little space called Buhara. Uh, and they did that project with free, free jazz pizza. Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. I didn't get to go to that. I was bummed. Um, this is uh, this is Andy. He's like my. Um, I've got a meeting with him at uh, five thirty. What time is it? Is it running? Uh, we're almost there. Oh yeah. Um, so I'll kind of like wrap this up. That's okay. Bit. Yeah. No, um, no, no. You were talking about like the boards and stuff that you were vibing on, and that's where you were ordering. Is that sort of like because you do have like a, a like it's the same kind of boards like I'm into and stuff. Um, so. 
is it something that's like comes from your own personal thing or is it something from feedback from customers how does that evolve um it's it is pretty personal <laughs> but it is also you know what the guys in the shop ride i mean and it's just like a growing relationships with some of these shapers and you know, thinking about the waves here and, um, and just kind of offering like a, a variety of, uh, of, of, of craft. Um, I mean, surfing is such a personal experience and I, I think about this and say this to a lot of people when they're buying a surfboard. I'm like, look, what works for me, you know, and what feelings I get from a surfboard are very specific to my, my experience riding a wave and that may be really different for you. But I can tell you that like these boards are really neutral and yeah. I think will work for a lot of different people and feel, yeah. feel good under a lot of different people's feet this is really specific and that's really specific and you know there may be a risk in buying that but I think if people start to evolve as a, as a surfer they start to get curious about oh, yeah. you know how things work and what things feel like and then they get they want to challenge themselves to kind of go smaller and less volume and um, it's uh, and then some people who are like Bro hammer shredders, yeah, or like kind of want to like at some point feel other things like what it feels like to you know, stand on a board and trim, or like yeah. um, be able to like push off the bottom of the wave with you know a single fin and, and, and right the rail really engaged instead of you know just pushing off the tail. Um, and it's, it's interesting, and um, there's that's one of the most exciting things about where surfing is right now. Is yeah, there's just so much. For the last 10 years, really, um, there's a lot of people that we have to thank for it. And I would say Joel being like one of the, one of the, the big ones is that you know, people ride uh, ride a lot of different kinds of boards in different conditions. And yeah. we, we have like you know, the quiver. We, we have like a, a bag of clubs, you know. And, and, you know, you're going. You're not gonna hit the. You're not gonna hit the putter off the tee. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> it was um, like it was like Thomas Campbell. I, I read this somewhere said, and I thought it was like totally perfect. Like he was talking about having a surf fan. And he's like, a surf fan is basically like your bag of golf clubs. Yeah. It's like you have them all in there and you drive somewhere and you're like, okay, I'm putting, I'm driving, I'm chipping, like it's a fish, it's a mid-length, it's a log. Like yeah. you should be like that open to it. You know, you don't know what they, the same, the same point break that you surf every single day can manifest itself in so many different ways. Yeah. I mean, I hate using golf as a metaphor too, by the way. Yeah. I apologize. No, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> but it's something I mean, that like. I don't, I don't, I don't golf, but yeah. I, but, um, I, it's a terrible thing for the world, golf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's um, it's a, uh, it's true. I mean, it's I always have at least three surfboards with me when I when I go. If I don't bring like the eleven foot eagle, yeah, like then the waves are going to be eleven foot eagle, eagle waves. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, and I'm, I'm the same Just way. Like, I, don't, I don't. I tell all my friends the same thing. I'm like, I usually two, do two or three boards depending on where I'm going because I don't want to get there and then be like. There's nothing worse than that feeling when you're paddling out and you're like, I wish I would have brought X. Yeah. Right? Like when you have that, you're like, even as you're paddling over little peaks, you're like, I wish I would have, like, that's a shitty feeling to have when you're like, wetsuited up. Um, you were early off, off uh, mic, you're talking about the space that you're opening up downstairs. So what's that about? Um, that's a, we have a little uh, project space. Um, we're calling it the over under room. Um, it's about 300 square feet and it's just a little white cube. Uh, gallery. Um, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a funky little space. It has, like the, the layout of it, it's got a lot of personality. Um, the idea was to just program it with uh, shows from real artists that um, might have uh, another curiosity or another, like another 
sort of practice that they don't really uh, share with people or um, they may have like a, an idea for a piece that they want to execute that may not really work with the body of work that they're working on at the, at the time oh, cool. or it could be anything I'm handing it over to somebody to curate a show uh, of another artist's work that they're really interested in so it's a, it's really a project's room and we're going to kind of let it let it guide itself in a way okay. um, um, but it's uh, yeah it's really exciting the reason the reason why we decided to do that was because um, uh, there's all the little galleries that you uh, experienced and yeah. you, know, you probably remember when you were here yeah. uh, are gone you know yeah. like Momenta Art um, you know Pierogi's now gone uh, oh, Joe, yeah. Joe moved over to uh, Lower East Side uh, you know there's Bellwether uh, Jessica Murray projects I mean there's so many little spaces uh, scattered all throughout Williamsburg in the early 2000s and it was uh, really vibrant um, uh, there's a a lot of vitality in this in this part of Brooklyn at that time um, in terms of art and like uh, music, yeah. just performance. Like it was incredible. And on, on a Thursday night, I think was when they had the, the, the like uh, opening nights here. Or no, it was Fridays. I can't remember that. But whatever that night was, I mean, the neighborhood was alive. And yeah, like you never saw people walking on the sidewalks. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. like, wow, there's people out doing yeah. stuff. Um, and that's that's gone. And that's kind of one of the uh, I think one of the pillars of this neighborhood. It's like part of the foundation of it uh, in terms of it, like growing into what it is now. Um, this is a post-industrial wasteland. People talk about gentrification in North, North, North Brooklyn and Williamsburg. I'm like, yeah, maybe a little, a little bit of that happened on the south side of Williamsburg for sure, but up here on the north side, like this was all warehouse space. Yeah. This was like... That recycling plant used to yeah, be here. Yeah, a like, shithole. Yeah, I used to walk through that recycling plant get into the back entrance of that studio building. Like, <laughs> and I remember being like, dude, this is fucking... Gnarly. Dude, it's like Mad Max. It's yeah, like all the cars. Like yeah, crushed. it was so oh bad. Like, like, I remember having to pick up Bart's van one time that when they had the, the Neck Face Cause van. Oh, yeah. I remember having to pick it up like all the way down there and like someone was sleeping in it. And I'm like, and I was like, can you guys just get out? And they're like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, this is what it is. <laughs> this is sort of like where I live. Yep, that's not, those, those days are gone. Yeah. Gone. But, you know, and it, there, I, there's a part of that that I really loved. And then, you know, part of that that was also really tough. And it was hard. It was easy to live here. Yeah. Now it's very, very easy to live here. Um, yeah. uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to circle back to the gallery. <laughs> the gallery. And you guys have something going on soon, right? Yeah, we're going to do a, a, like a, a, a group show. I mean, right now, we did a, uh, an exhibition of uh, Derek Dumphy's um, photographs that are really spectacular. He shoots these kind of awe-inspiring shots of, of uh, big paddle and surf lineups um, like on his on his board like paddling over the <laughs> over the shoulder you know and, and like clicking Jesus. shots of people bailing or dropping in or you know I mean it's 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 unbelievable they're, they're really really amazing um, but then uh, we're gonna do like the the first kind of opening of the over under room um, with a big group show of like about 40 artists. Oh, cool. Uh, and they're all artists that are people who I've connected with in this neighborhood who've kind of influenced and helped us. Oh, cool. Um, you know, so there's, it, it's really just a lot, a lot of really good friends. And some of some of them are you know, have incredible careers and have um, gone on to do amazing stuff. And some of them are still kind of, on, uh, you know, underground, making right. beautiful, making beautiful stuff, but have, you know, multiple kind of, kinds of uh, outlets. Um, but yeah, it's, 
I just feel like it'll bring it'll bring some energy back to uh, the neighborhood. Um, well, it sounds like what you're doing does remind me of like like what I love of like 2002, 2003 Williamsburg. Like like I do miss like that's like the one thing I do miss, and it's kind of nice to see like someone who's like lived in that period is now breaking some of that back because like you know there's like was there like a J Crew store like down the block mm-hmm. and shit like yeah. that, and it's like it's always been a bummer for me. Like like I'm like. Like wow, this is the corner I used to buy drugs on, and now you could get a discount on jeans. Like it's weird. You know, it's kind of like little bucky. That's um, right. That was also where the, where the G Star Raw place is. That was Vince Sark's first uh, studio, and then where the J Crew store was. That that was a, a DIY performance space. Yeah. Uh, it was a total. I, I hate using the term DIY, but it wasn't. It was just like yeah, because it's like down over here, right? Yeah. yeah remember yeah. there was a basketball hoop like yeah. screwed to the side of the building with yeah, all the graffiti yeah. all over it. It'd be like kids out playing basketball. That's when like Vice was down here and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Vice is on North 10th. Yeah. It just started. Um, I'll wrap this up with a question I ask everybody. Uh, what's your favorite uh, surf break to uh, surf and why? Oh, man. Um, that's a great, that's a really good question. Um, hmm. I mean, I've, uh, I've got waves spots that I've only surfed a couple times that uh, were like incredible and I, I guess that wouldn't count but um, in, in, in New York <laughs> no no <laughs> no, no 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 uh, like wherever you like it's like if you were like hey I can snap my fingers and go there because I surfed there before where is that oh man um, I mean it's so tough I it's such a tough such a tough I mean there's there's waves in the Maldives that I've surfed that I would like yeah um, that uh, or are, were just in uh, areas that had no, there the spots were not named um, that I would kill to go back to. And back in the, in the Maldives. Yeah, we we've been working on a surf film for like the past. Uh, it's a concept film, surf concept film for the past two years, and we're in post production with it right now. Oh, cool. Yeah, and we went to the we went to the Maldives, and that was the second time I've been. And uh, we went to these other spots that are kind of off the off. They're not on anybody's map. Uh-huh. This Australian um, uh, boat captain uh, Louis, uh, who has this outfit called Liquid Destinations, and he's just a legend. And he brought us to these spots, and they were mind blowing, like unbelievable, super fun, playful, like hydraulic, uh, you know, machine. No one there. No one. No other boats. No other people. Uh, it was, it was uh, shocking. So yeah, that that's where I would go. Um, just because it was like you were on another planet, yeah. You know, um, and the water was beautiful and warm. Um, yeah. Wait, was that? Weren't you on some trip that was like in Surfer Journal? Yeah, that was that, that, that was piece was about the film. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I went. So when's that's in post production now? Yep, and you know we've been. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. You know, there's animation. Yeah. There's. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, there's some really special people that we have. Um, been able to lucky lucky that we've been able to uh, work with so that's um we're wrapping that up and we're going to be premiering it sometime in the summer oh cool um we just haven't figured out when we're going to be trying to get into festivals and things with it, so. yeah yeah so that that determines a lot so yeah. and i'm learning about all this it's a whole another world it's, no no it's totally like we have like i'm working on a short film and we're like we're gonna probably premiere at that thing. There's like a Rhode Island like surf film festival thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's like in two weeks. We're gonna premiere there. It's kind of like a soft premiere. And then I think we're doing like a premiere either at like 
there's talk of us doing an event at the Matu store. Oh, San cool. Diego. And then, then that's that whole thing that we've been looking at the whole list of like the film festivals, and we're like, oh shit, you gotta get in by then. And like, they just have the San yeah. Diego one. It's this whole like, I'm like, oh god, we gotta deal with this shit now. Yeah, it's like you make the thing and then you gotta like navigate. You think you're done? You're world. like, oh, here it is. It's like, no, <laughs> no, that was the easy part. No, it's really, it's, <laughs> it's the people who make films, like, it's, it's such a it's such a challenging thing to do. Uh, and, uh, yeah. It, Surf films too are really tough to make because they, you know you're, you're relying on whatever you get. Uh, yeah, unless I, you're camped out somewhere for like a, you know a whole year. And then but even the then you can't. Stuff. Even then you can't. Like I like I was talking to Jason Buffa about that when they do uh, Bella Vida. Like he was saying like how they were on Sardinia for like thirty something days straight trying to get like one shot, like with Dave with Rasta out there with them, and like they basically got like one day that there was like an hour and a half, and I'm like. Fuck, dude! The amount of money you got to put into that, like, yeah. it's insane. Surf, surf things. And he like skate videos. No. Like, that's the one thing. <laughs> like, skate videos. Like, the worst thing that happens is like someone twists an ankle, or there's security right. guards. <laughs> but you can like work around that. This is like, there's no waves, and you're just sitting there. No, it's really <laughs> tough. Yeah, really tough. Jason shot some of this. Film oh, he did. Yeah, he's, he shot a, a little bit of the, the, the Mexico. Um, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's Jason's amazing. He's no, amazing. I, he was he was great. He's a, like him and I like really hit it off. Um, in closing, anyone you want to thank, shout out to? Oh man, um, God, yeah, I mean, there's too too many people <laughs> to yeah. thank. Yeah, um, you know, just everybody that's uh, that's been a part of the store. I mean, they, they know who they are, and they we continue to uh, build relationships with people. And it's uh, you know this this store isn't about me. This is you know it's just about all these all these different people, the, the people that design and make you know the. The, the products that are unrelated to surf and yeah. you know the musicians that recorded the albums that we play in there the, the little company in Santa Fe New Mexico that makes the incense that we yeah. burn you know the shapers um, the boards you know the, the shapers the boards are really like the backbone of our of our of our shop um, it's, it's, it, it loses money it doesn't make money yeah um, for us um, but it's um, it's those things admit they have an aura they, yeah they, 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 they emit something um, to the air that you know, it's kind of hard to explain or impossible to explain. It. It's um, uh, to be walking down the street in Brooklyn and look into a window and see a bunch of beautifully crafted surfboards kind of like freaks people out. <laughs> and we'll have Australians and South Africans and Californians come in here and, and the first thing that comes out of their mouth is like, where the hell do you surf around here? Yeah, it's, like it's uh, It happens every day. <laughs> so I guess that uh, yeah, putting those things in people's paths, uh, yeah, it's, I'm I'm just thankful that you know we've been able to uh, to to survive and, and this and keep this thing going and keep it growing. It's uh, it's it's great. But and I have too many people to thank for that. Thanks to Chris for sitting down with us and being so welcoming at his shop. I love the little outdoor space he has. I'm excited to see where the gallery's going. I hope you guys didn't mind how some of the audio was. I know it's not perfect, but for me, it's actually more perfect being this way. It's almost that wabi-sabi philosophy where it's the beauty of the flaws that give the beauty of the whole piece. And uh, for me, it's it's really special because I, as much as I love my new home that I've had here in uh, Southern California, I do miss uh, Brooklyn specifically a lot. I miss, you know, sitting out on some stoop, drinking beers, 
as the sun's going down when that humidity is just burning off and it's not too bad in the summertime. I miss, you know, hanging out with my friends in the back of stores. Um, I miss like going to random bars that have open grills where you could basically bring whatever the fuck you want to like cook and you could hang out all night um, and get, you know, every other drink is basically paid for by the bartender. Um, so I wanted to leave that intact. And I think, you know, sitting down with Chris, you know, talking about our mutual friends and the, t the early 2000s of Williamsburg and all that, it was, it brought back a lot of memories. So I hope you guys got something out of it. But let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew podcast, volume 36. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com, uh, as well as the full episode description for track listings and links and things we're talking about. Uh, I'm going to play a couple of more tracks, and then I want to get into my little spiel on hydrofoils. So see you in a little bit. Peace. Yes, I can. Now act stupid. 
and I'll pop the trunk. Clunk, clunk. Now give me up a bone, a bone. Ooh, cool, smooth like two blue suede shoes. Y'all faggot slept on my hoffman and cools. Word to Dan Tan, pillow and cool B. Switching speeds like Bruce Lee, right in the Fuji in the movie. I drop it on the one, fuck the two, three. Funky like a box of coochies on loose sleep. Yo, yo, I said, switching up speeds like Bruce Lee, right in the Fuji. In a movie, <laughs> I be saying some shit. Now, if you didn't get it, laugh down. Who rap like rap is supposed to sound? New cats tight whack, I will disown you clown. Fuck a first round draft pick, burst pound gets spit. Search round, hearse found, I dirt pound that bitch. Pink, uh, respect for flavor. This get drawn, fuck if you my next door neighbor. Uncivilized acts from a civilized cat. Knowledge, my wisdom, I hit him. Now criticize that. Nigga, fuck a rap critic. I clap cynics all in your back in the black civic. Pink, my knife from and spit on his kid. Brownsville, Mike Tyson, Riddick of Briggs, Zap Judah. Gears intact with the black supers. Knife in the gunfight, trying to stab Rugas. Nigga, your time is coming. Fuck with me and your time is now. Get the running. Get the real artist, fake artist, hot artist, whack artist, hard artist, soft artist. I'm a trusted all artist. I'm a prisoner, a slave to this rat. Gotta pay and get your voice back. I'm a kidnap artist. Real artist, fake artist, strong artist, weak artist, tight jeans wearing new rap art. Be artist. Uh-huh. I'm a prisoner, a slave to this rat. Get a shovel for them cats. I'm six feet deep artist. Flow like legends are supposed to flow. Big bear like al-qaeda i'm supposed to blow king minus everything i touch supposed to go least gold maybe platinum if i roast it slow you are tuned into the winners and the winner hit the aspens we don't take our women to the poconos now i get dope from rap before i used to hold the coke duck the cops bob and weave i leave rope a dope no we don't lease cars you can hold the note we premium i'm like a medium how i control the ghost it's very rarely that we prefer to boast my rap songs got me plush homes and Motorboats, new rock chows got it locked. We control the books, hold it down for Sean P. He control the crooks. You my Muslim brother and my other brother, like my mother's son. See you in heaven, brother. Real artist, fake artist, hot artist, whack artist, hard artist, soft artist. I'm a trusted all artist. I'm a prisoner, a slave to this rat. Gotta pay and get your voice back. I'm a kidnap artist. Real artist, fake artist, strong artist, weak artist, tight jeans wearing new rap art. Be artist. I'm a prisoner. A slave to this rap, get a shovel for them cats, I'm yeah. six feet deep. It got industry rule number 4080 something. Record labels, they ain't saying nothing. Uh, line for what, lemon and lemon for lime rhyme. Nine to your melanin, swelling in my time. I'm primetime Dion Sanders. School of hard knocks, CP on campus. Baby shit, bar, bar, you need pampers. Display the fifth charge, y'all. Who need answers? Shot my crew. Rock down, rhyme on the true. Talk. Thought I was signing with Drew. <laughs> Your new style tender, style futile to a new owl sender. I wild cripple new style and shoot y'all engine. Divide ignorant guys collide through the gender. 
I fight all you clowns. Good night strike, then y'all all fall down. Pay. Real artists, fake artists, hot artists, whack artists, hard artists, soft artists. I'm addressing all artists. I'm a prisoner, a slave to this rack. Gotta pay and get your voice back. I'm a kidnap artist. Real artists, fake artists, strong artists, weak artists, tight jeans wearing new rap art. Be artists. I'm a prisoner, a slave to this rack. Get a shovel for them cats. I will six feet deep artists. I made that word up. Like all my friends is derelicts, a lot of my friends are derelicts. So I call them slow villain because Smoke from the Lucy drip, hold it like a crucifix. Blow from the nose, I'm a dragon to a dog. Got an average of being excellent, the median just don't. Like the ratio of heroin, the laxative is sold. Authorities are spoken, a man of the pure devotion. Get magnetized to the ground while the Falcons are murder closing. Chose to go guano, y'all know kind of bad shit. The bright lights are fuckery, stuck in me automatic. A teabag of piranha tank, heart barely beating a wild one. I swim like directly after receiving, but holding a toaster oven. It's plugged with a fork in it. Cause death by electrocutions like life in New York in it. Should have been a dentist. Mom said it pains the way to my craft expresses. Born in a little shop of horns that I can't even afford to rent it. Where's the exit? Wanna talk shop? I can top it up with exacto touch. What's the rush? Autograph skin flat. Tag them all. I don't brag enough. You they back those suck. Hey. I you new to the help without the mill. You kinda like fuck is you. I'm a little back spot on the sound of lies, and I'm not too high to say I'm the truth. I line the booth to cast blood like a pavement. Nathan Sacred, I'll make some playpen. True runner bitch, make the name stick. Not for sale, but I'm taking payment. Bye. I'm here to paint the whole game, whether it's set or in. Good pussy, good marijuana, that be my medicine. And I'm a mixture of MJG and the government. A revolutionary banging on my adversaries. And I love Dr. King, but violence might be necessary. Cause when you live on MLK and it gets very scary, you might have to pull your AK send one to the cemetery. We overwork, underpaid, and we underprivileged. They love us, they love us. Why? Because we beat the village. You really made it or just became a prisoner of privilege. You willing to share that information that you've been given? Like who really run this? Like who really run that man that say he run this? Who, who really run that man that say he run this? Run, run, run this? Like who really fun this? Like who really fun? Who say he fun this? Like who in the world gonna tell Dr. who to put on the you can't come list? Now don't be silly. Who the fuck gonna bully me if I got a billion? If I got a billion, a bitch recording me. I'm like, who can? What I wouldn't be is on TV, stuttering, talking scared. So the question is, when does at home with that trade ass bitch alone? Who's that voice on the side of the phone that shakes and rattles his bone? Could it be the man behind the man behind the man behind the throne? Go, go. Yeah.
homicide chasing brothers. The D's on the roof trying to watch us and knock us and kill a coppers. Even come through in helicopters. I drink a little vodka, spark a L and hold a Glock for the fronters. Wanna be ill niggas and spot runners. Thinking it can't happen till I trap them and clap them and leave them done. Won't even run about guards. I don't believe in none of that shit. Your facts are backwards. Nas is a rebel of the street corner. Pulling the tech out the dresser. Police got me under pressure. pressure.
Yo, when the gas refill, your cash get pilled and that's the deal. Fuck the bitch ass and switch fast, niggas that lack the real. When the slugs burst, she rap be aiming at your mug first. Niggas is bloodthirst, we see who get plugged worse. We dug earth to place you, put the nickel bladers to your facial. Bullets ain't racial, kid, they only hate you. My nine'll seem like it's a time machine, BC date you. Jacking you more than Ripper, my fifth's an organ shifter. The human organism lifter, you'll be hearing organs if you're leaving orphans. If you let these floors hit you with a law splitcher, a four pitcher, the bump head. But those that don't let accurate shots in back of your knot Leaving one dead, G-Rap, Havoc, and Prodigy Let's put these bitch niggas where bodies be done Yo, if it gotta be, it gotta be, it gotta be Living with their lives on the line For young guns coming up during these times For police who find drugs letting niggas slide For niggas out slinging like four in the night For your man's not snitching when the pressure is tight For pistols that don't jam when it's time to strike For bootleg liquor on a Sunday night This be the realest shit you heard in your life uh-huh. When the gas spits, some niggas get blown off the atlas. The half is unsolved mystery. Reenactments get practice. What you lack is you think like the average. Jake's dumbfounded, leaving crime scenes get handled. Nothing but cannons got conspicuous. Like a laminate branded with a serial scratch. Bad apple out of the bag. Done it maybe like that. If I could push back the clock, probably leave it like that. Drove love for my niggas. G-O-D, Tarnity, and Twin. And Twin is not here. Plus my kin. Killer B forever with me. Quick to set it with me. And to QB, they show love throughout the years with you me. You got guns, we got guns. The serious ones. Leave foul powder stuck in your lungs. We come from where niggas look out for they dun duns. Love never disrespect. Hit niggas with redirect. For street niggas living with their lives on the line. For young guns coming up during these times. For police who find drugs letting niggas slide. For niggas out slinging like four in the night. For your man's not snitching when the pressure. Is tight. For pistols that don't jam when it's time to strike. For bootleg liquor on a Sunday night. This be the realest shit you heard in your life. Never prejudge, it be the humble that'll squeeze slugs. It be the one standing still that'll peel guns. Spill blood for my thuns, dug it for me. Man, you don't wanna get involved, fucking with P. I spent more nights healing, less nights chilling. The more shots they hold, the better they feel it. What be the dealings? Some killers like to hide behind specs. Others got blatant disrespect, and the rest are so young that you wouldn't even expect to be bursting off guns like a Vietnam vet on the steps, sitting in the stairs. Case bent, thinking on ways to take another man's head. Go to war with niggas that's against what I rap. I settle things with a heavy metal fifth. Change clips, switch clothes after I spit. Place niggas back in their space. Fuckers on your mind, kid. For street niggas living with their lives on the line. For young guns coming up during these times. For police who find drugs, letting niggas slide. For niggas out slinging like four in the night. For your man's not snitching when the pressure is tight. Welcome back 
to the Bodega Board Crew Podcast, Volume 36. Hope you guys been digging the tracks. Uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com, with track listings and links to things we're talking about. This week, I'm going to give you my 25 cents on hydrofoils. Uh, hydrofoil surfing is something that's starting to pop up in lineups a lot, almost the way that um, SUPs were showing up a couple years ago. Uh, it's something that Laird Hamilton, I, I think, is one of the first people to mess around with it. And I guess the concept behind it is that you could pretty much surf anywhere on any waves by pumping on it. It's not like a traditional surf situation where you need a wave to really push you. It's like you could learn how to pump that fin in and out and all of a sudden you get out of the water. Now, I first really started seeing them like in person uh, at Sunset Beach in Oahu, I think two years ago was the first time I saw one really in person. And I was like, what the fuck is that thing? And it was on a really like like flattish day at sunset. You know, there were only a couple of us out. There was some guy that was basically going around in circles around us with one of these things. And at first I just thought it was like a weird foam board because I could only see like the board itself like because he wasn't that much out of the water. And then all of a sudden I saw him pop like, you know, a good foot out of the water and doing this weird pumping thing. And I didn't necessarily, I thought it was kooky, like, to be honest, I thought it was like, I was like, okay, that's like a little fucking corny looking, but like, I wasn't scared or minded or anything. I didn't care if they, he caught waves or anything like that. Maybe because the situation that was happening that day just didn't bother me. Fast forward, you know, a year or two and you start hearing and seeing more and more people do it, you know? And you see these kits that you could buy where you could take these, like, you know, you could take a short board and basically have someone put a bracket into your shortboard so uh, this hydrofoil thing goes in it. And I've been seeing them more and more in LA in the lineups. Uh, at Sunset, I've seen them. I've seen them at Malibu and stuff. And these are typically breaks where there's a lot more people than the first time I saw them. You know, uh, I recently saw someone riding one at Malibu and there was a lot of people out there and uh, it was a little bit of a dicey situation and it got dangerous. And I think the person who was using it knew what they were doing, but it's also, it's just a different dynamic. Um, I think for other people that are in the water, you know, with a stand-up paddleboard, you know, if you're looking down the line and you see a paddleboard take off, it's fucking annoying. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's annoying, but you understand what's going to happen. You're like, okay, they're going to like get into the wave. They're going to surf it. They're going to paddle it. They're going to do their little like awkward looking turn. Like you understand the dynamics of it with a hydrofoil board. Like it's hard to tell what the fuck the person's doing because a lot of times they could just hop over the back of a wave by pumping. So you, you know, there's none of that like, oh, he's not going to get the wave. It's like, oh, they might like, you have no idea. And they come shooting right across from you. Um, they feel a little dangerous. There's been that famous photo that circulated for a little while of that guy who basically had that crazy amount of stitches across his face and head uh, that got hit by one. I think, you know, the thing that I'm nervous about is just seeing the same thing, same thing as like stand up paddle boards. Like there's a lot of people out there that don't understand basic surfing and ocean etiquette who are on these stand-up paddle boards and i think that's a, a big reason why people don't like them you know they're they're on these boards that are huge you know glass super heavy indestructible and you know they have 
reckless abandon, they'll just go like drop in on people. And they have no way of stopping these things because they don't have the skills and they don't understand surf etiquette. And you have a lot of these same people now who are jumping on these like cheap versions of these these hydrofoil boards. And that's what I saw at sunset, which was like freaking me out. Like I saw, I went out there to test a board out, which is usually where I go to test a board out. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get in anyone's way. And I could kind of, it's a shitty enough wave that like if the board works there, it's going to work anywhere. And I was there one day testing out a board and I saw like, I think two or three people and it was pretty obvious. They didn't even know how to stand up on this thing. And that worried me that there was someone like that out there. Now, an interesting development is that they've been banned in France at Hosinor, um, I think a five kilometer stretch or something like that I read recently, where they're banned, period. They're not allowed to be used there. And I thought that was interesting um, because it's something that honestly, like I'd like to see with them here. Um, and it's not even about the wave catching thing. It's not about them stealing waves. Like it's more about the danger factor. Like the, they're unpredictable, you know, via water vehicles and the people I've seen ride them besides one or two people that I've seen do it, who honestly, I know that they're actually really good traditional surfers in their own right without the hydrofoil board. Um, and this is just some trip that they're getting into. Like we get into all our little side trips, but most of the people I've seen out there on them, like don't know what the fuck they're doing. And that's like a scary thing. You know, I live by this philosophy where I trust myself extremely and I don't trust other people at all. And especially when it comes to surfing. And now it's another factor where I'm going to be looking over my shoulder three or four times to make sure that person with the hydrofoil is nowhere near me. It also scares me for other people, not just for myself. You know, like I said, I have a friend who got hit by basically hit by one. Nothing really bad happened. But luckily she was able to avoid it and she knows enough about surfing to avoid it. But, you know, I feel for some of these more beginner types who are, you know, they already have the panic of the lineup in them. And now you're introducing this other factor. It's like their panic is going to be 10 times worse. And I think they're going to make like mistakes that are going to create a domino ripple effect for everyone else. So. My take on them is, I mean, besides, I think it's corny. Like it's something I don't see any interest in. It's the same way as I don't see any interest in kiteboarding as the same way. I just don't like, it doesn't do it for me each to their own. If that's your fucking trip, like good for you. Put a vest on fucking get a kite going. I don't give a shit. Okay. But to see something like that now, like the hydrofoils become so easily accessible by weekend warriors that don't understand basic surfing etiquette is really scary. And if a petition came up for a spot to be like, Hey, do you want these things outlawed? I'd be the first one to sign it. And I'd be promoting the shit out of it to, to sign it, to get these things out of the water. I think there's a place for them. I think they could go on a lake. Um, they could go where there's no real waves and they could stay out of our way and make sure we don't get hurt. So anyway, hopefully you don't have any encounters with hydrofoil boards. I know I don't want to have any. Um, and I hope you guys, uh, if you guys disagree or agree, you know, let me know on Instagram. I'd love to hear everyone's opinion on it. Cause I think it's, it's something that we're going to see more and more in the lineups, but enough of that. Um, again, this is the bodega board crew podcast. 
volume 36. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com, which, by the way, there's also a patron button now. If you want to support this podcast, you can click on a button and donate money, which is kind of cool. Uh, it helps me work on stuff, so check that out. But anyway, I'm not going to keep you that much longer on this topic. I'm just going to get into some tracks, and then we're going to get into some short takes. Peace! Question the authority. Things some brothers don't.
around. Yo, we push weight with ice cubes in the car. America's most wanted. Police pin it up. Alice and Eddie. Dog passion, brother one. Potent it, get a girl Yo, pregnant. Off a finger. Ah, doctor code name. Merging both blades off the line. We can die. Yeah, I'm taking full blame. I'm hard-headed, cat fitted for rhymes. I touch up your shape up when Doc spit on the eye. But it is my brother. Trying to live, my brother. How you live, my brother. When I walk the streets, I rock with force and D's, not a force, not a force. Yo, chin checks in effect. Catch rack. Yo, put him in a yoke, snap his neck. Mr. MEF. Big hands is out of the game. Bone shattering, beat battering, man. Scattering like roaches. Bless him with the overdosage of black flag. Say goodbye, you got no class. Ship sinking fast. See you at the bottom when I spot him. Grab him by the throat and say, oh my God. What's up, my brother? What's up, my brother? Hey, what's up, my sister? up now, sis? I got what you need. Hey, yo, you got what I need. Got the mad, mad crew up in the house. Yo, what's up, my brother? What's up, my brother? Hey, yo, what's up now, sis? What up now, sis? Yo, you got what I need. I got what you need. We got the mad, 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 mad crew Yo, 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 dog, it's my fault. Doc shock with vaults until deaf mutes can talk. Crippled kids can walk. My style will show guns what it is to spark. It'll clear the park 20 miles apart. Doc is like bad weather reports by our Wrong. If you're not from the tri-barrel, story settled. I pack Gordy metal for those who act fool. Pick fish in the water, and we hard to harpoon. I'm like open wounds, pour the eye, you're dying. Messing with us is like saving private Ryan. You acting out of line, now you lying, dying. Wash my evil hands in the fire hydrant. Yeah, girl, my kahunas hooked up in the harness. Flying through hard knock life is still torn. My ropes popped in Chicago, I hit the floor then. Got up and woke up with a bird in the morning. Hey yo, we more fat than down south trash, and you know that we full mad. That blow the welcome off your dough mat, toes tap. Now to hell if I sound, wipe your town off the road mat. Baby, mess around, I propose that you go and get your crew and get the Bozak too. Dev Squad, woo, all just slaves to the rhythm. Clinton is the prince, I still voted for Shirley Chisholm. Huh? Poison is venom, my philosophy get busyism. The most beautiful, I get a bender. Minutes as usual, play your corner. Slinging them ghetto pharmaceuticals, the methadona. OD on Flintstone, chewables, and Mary, Mary, Mary. So don't ever say I didn't want ya. And I don't wanna be the one to sick the dogs on ya. I'm still ghetto, I rhyme ghetto. My people's ghetto, pants are saggy, teeth yellow. Now that's what I call grimy. A million crazy kids behind me. Killer Hills, 103 or fours where you find me. If you're looking, baby, I'm right here. Come on down. Yo, 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 what's up, my brother? What's up, my brother? Hey, yo, what's up now, sis? What's up now, sis? Hey, yo, you got what I need. I got what you need. You got the mad, mad, who up in the house. Hey, yo, what's up, my brother? Hey, yo, what's up, my brother? What's up now, sis? Hey, yo, what's up now, sis? I got what you need. Hey, yo, you got what I need. I got, got the mad, mad, mad who up, up in the house. Yo, who up in the house. Yo, yo, who up in the house. We got the crew up in the house, got the mad, 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 mad crew, crew up in the house. house. Yep. You're on the mic, check one, check two, but check three. You'll never find another nigga quite like me. I'll be your real bad boy, y'all, the devil's on the road. It be I, the one love to flip it with the old. So natural flow, the beat baseball, backing you up, up like a nigga, 
block, you can't block the Mac, I do damage. I rip on both sides of the tone to tell MCs, get off my fucking truckish bone. Contrig, yeah, I catch crack like Minota. Holding my pistol, ripping it like you wanna. Yeah, you know my slogan. First time I win, I go can. No win, I flip a style like the Hulk Hogan. So give me your undivided and an instrumental dub. And watch me get you open like the Shake Your Booty Club. And it's like that. And as a matter of
first nigga up the back gets bent. Pinned immediately up against the wall. Him, quick push back. Thumb to impite, reacts, numb to so face, contorts when eyeballs contract. When shit comes down to it, no hesitation. Action speaks louder than words in all situations. Do what we gotta do, set it off, let it loose. Fuck it, we ready for confrontation. When shit comes down to it, no hesitation. Action speaks louder than words in all situations. Do what we gotta do, set it off, let it loose. Fuck it, self-preservation. I can't believe these whack rap niggas are swinging on me. The Darsky kid caught me in the eye, now I'ma bring it to G. I square him up while Chuck tries to trip him. Fuck you too fast, over the top duck. Champagne in the glass struck. Now Moet's all over the floor and I'm sliding through it. Pharaoh, I got your back splitting them, exposing bodily fluid from fraudulent foes. But with points to prove and no holes barred. Raw dog like out in the yard. I'm peeping out how their security maneuvered and selected in multiples of three random niggas in the beat to be injected. Collected my thoughts. Connected with members of Medicine Men who explained to me that DTs got the block lock keys. They wouldn't let us in. Side slide to the latrine. Plus swallow your pride. This is the second time swine. One time had to spoil it. Pull the lids on the commode and drop the glocks inside the toilet. If we move swiftly, we just might make it. If the opportunity arise to bounce, let's take it. When shit comes down to it, no hesitation. Action speaks louder than words in all situations. Do what we gotta do. Set it off. Let it loose. We're ready for confrontation. When shit comes shit down to it, no hesitation. Action speaks louder than words in all situations. Do what we gotta do. Set it off, let it loose. Fuck it, self-preservation. Yeah, Welcome back to the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 36. Hope you guys have been enjoying the tracks, the interviews, the 25 cents I have on topics, everything I talk about here. Um, I try to keep it as entertaining as possible. I try to keep this podcast as interesting as possible without getting too crazy. And speaking of things that I'm interested in, here's some short takes for the week. The first short take this week is... Uh, the Russell surfboards that are popping up that uh, Grant Noble had shaped. Uh, Grant Noble, we interviewed him a while back. Amazing surfer out of Costa Mesa. He's also a really good skater. Uh, when we interviewed him, I think that day off mic, he told me about him moving on from Dash surfboards over to Russell and shaping. I think that exact day he was going to shape some models. And I was really curious to see what these boards were going to look like. And they've been uh, popping up. We put a link in this episode to the page on um, Icons of Surf, which is one of my favorite surf shops, um, that has some of his boards. And it's really cool to see the boards that he's designing from the fishes to the, you know, he has a mid-length up there. He has a couple of long boards, um, which I want to see in person because I want to see the rail lines and how he does his rails on his boards uh, because he has a very unique way of surfing. and you know suitable to like beach breaks blackies stuff like that he also has a uh, a bonzer up on there that has all three fins glass in it's a three fin bonzer that looks sick and i remember talking to him off camera about bonzers and 
it seems that a lot of dudes in that whole Costa Mesa scene, it's starting to be like their go-to kind of like between a short and a mid length, like it's kind of the go-to. And I want to check out that board in person. But when you get a chance, head over to the Icons of Surf website, check out the boards. If you like them, pick them up and Grant, they look dope. And uh, wish you much success with uh, Russell on all these new models that you're doing. The second short take is a video that Bing Surfboards put up of their team at the Mexi Log Fest. Uh, I think Bing is one of the sponsors every year or has been for the last couple years and they send everyone down there and they put this little video together that shows, you know, a bunch of their surfers catching waves, the guys and the girls. I was stoked to see Rosie Jeffers in it um, because I know when we interviewed her a while back, she was talking about uh, getting asked to be on the team and stuff and how much she liked that idea and, and you know, it's, it's cool to see her like being promoted by them. Uh, so check out the video again. I'm going to probably be linking to Mexi Logfest videos for the next six months because I think it's awesome and I'm jealous I didn't go. So here's another one to add to your collection. The last short take we have this week is the Vistla Cosmic Creek event, uh, which goes down in Salt Creek every year. Uh, it looked really awesome and fun. It's a weekend where uh, basically people get to surf old alternative craft, twin fins, really random boards um, from um, a private collection that supposedly is worth millions of dollars, which looks like it from everything I've seen. Uh, it was really cool looking this year. It's again, it's another one of these like homegrown uh, kind of contests slash festivals that keeps growing and growing and growing. And uh, Thomas Campbell uh, has recently done a collaboration with them. And you know, the jerseys were his design and all the signage was his design. And I've been a huge fan of Thomas's work since the first time I saw his work and actually helped uh, put one of his paintings up at the alleged gallery in New York back in the 90s. Um, so to see that all over the place and the signage and everything and really be the vibe of it, it's pretty cool. It was also great because, you know, they had some shaping seminars from Donald Brink. Um, they had like a little like art thing that you could tie dye t-shirts at for kids. They had a bunch of local bands, a bunch of like kid bands play, which I thought was really cool. Like, you know, these like little kid surf bands, um, which I, I like, I know I technically am like too old to like be listening to this shit, but I think it's awesome that it's out there. And I, I, I always want to listen to it. I got made fun of one time for going to one of these like little, you know, high school band things that was at like one of the surf shops. But I was like, I don't care. The music's fucking dope. And like these kids are, are ripping. Um, but anyway, they have a bunch of things and it's kind of like, it's something like the WSL can learn from. Like this is what contest should feel like. Like it should feel like a whole event. Like it should feel like a thing you never want to leave. You know, it shouldn't, it's not about fucking scores and fucking brackets and like, you know, points and like interference calls and all this bullshit. It's about people having fun and surfing. Like at the end of the day, the whole reason everyone starts to surf and really gets into it is for fun. Um, there's a competition backbone, but it's a fun competition. It's a friendly competition. Like it's the kind of stuff that the, you know, the duct tape has. Um, so stab does some really good coverage of it. I think they were maybe a media sponsor on this. I don't know, but for some reason, like they just covered the fuck out of it. Um, they have a couple of videos. So we linked to that stuff. And if there's more stuff like this out there, I think you're going to get a, a better, um, surfing culture than the surfing culture that the WSL and that jock shit is breathing. 
But that's it for this week. Um, I kind of want to end on not a low note, but a kind of interesting note. Um, as you guys know, we picked up a sponsor in uh, Nicaragua Craft Beer, and I just got word recently, and I've been doing the research uh, from the guys over there, they've had to close their brewery for a little bit because there's a bit of unrest in that country. Um, a lot of people are protesting their government. Um, I don't exactly, I'm not an expert in this, so I'm not going to claim to be. Uh, there's some stuff to do with their social security stuff and, and wages and all that stuff. And basically the people want the president out. And there's been over a hundred and something protesters that have been killed. And it's scary to hear that happen anywhere in the world, especially someplace like Nicaragua, which has been, has come, uh, has come to be known as one of the safest places in Central America to go to. And I hate to see something like this happen anywhere in the world. I hate to see it especially happen someplace that's beautiful and the people are beautiful. But the lesson to be learned is like, look, pay attention to like what's going on politics outside of our world that we live in. Now, we have a very privileged existence in the United States. As much as we might disagree with government or disagree with that or complain about people not kneeling for flags or kneeling for flags or whatever it may be, at the end of the day, like, we have a pretty privileged existence and some of these other countries like you know what's happening there and in the middle east and stuff it's it's really bad um and if there's anything we could do is pay attention to it speak for those who can't speak for themselves and support charities that help these people you know ox oxfam uh, oxfam is one that's really good because they go out and they basically they cover a basic need where they supply food in in areas of need for children and families and that alone goes a long way. So just do the research. My heart goes out to the people in Nicaragua um, and all over the world. And I hope this gets resolved soon. I hope we as a race can figure out a way to like live with each other and not be led by greedy politicians, if anything. I uh, also just want to thank everyone from The Current. Thank Ryan from LogRap. Uh, for the successful uh, premiere of uh, Lucy's. Uh, we had a couple things that were tweaking, I'm going to be honest, um, but, you know, we're really happy with it. We're going to have two parties in July, and I think then it's just going to go online for everyone to see. Uh, there's possible talk of it being launched on someone's website for the initial launch, uh, which I don't want to talk ahead of, but I'm really excited about that. And uh, yeah, um, thanks for all the support. I know at the events we're having, we're going to be having uh, merch, um, you know, and some posters. So I'll keep you informed about that. Um, we're thinking about maybe making it a thing where you pay for the download, like a dollar or something like that, you know, just to kind of support it so it doesn't get bootlegged all over the place. Um, but if anything, you know, buy the merch that's associated with it to support it. But with that, I'm going to end on our famous last words, which is there's no need to bust a craze on a wave. When you go out there, have fun. Keep the aggro gym mentality the fuck out of the water. It doesn't make you look good. It makes you look worse, and it creates a worse vibe for everyone else. I know a lot of times we get the better of ourselves with the adrenaline rushing where we flip off on people and pop off on people. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's not worth it. It's not solving anything. Just talk to people, smile, communicate and uh, be safe out there. So with that, I'm going to leave you with some funky tracks, and I'll see you guys out there. Peace.
growing up in the ghetto, man, I used to have every kind of instrument you can name. Guitars, drums, horns, pianos. Until one day I came home from school and found them all sticking out the garbage can. Mom had to throw them all away. Because, see, she wanted me to be a doctor, a lawyer, something like that, you know? And my father, oh, man, every morning before daybreak, he wake me up. Boy, you better get on down there at that unemployment office and get you a job. Stop all that screaming and hollering. You can't sing. Can't carry a tune in a bucket. <laughs> I just used to laugh at it, you know, because I knew I was bad. I couldn't sing in the house, so I'd get a bunch of the fellas together every night at the dark down on the street corner in the schoolyard. I down at Shawnee Park, and we started getting a little loud, and we'd draw a crowd, and we'd be singing songs or something like this thing.
They say there ain't no room down here on the bottom. All the room is at the top. So I thought about it now. I decided to take the advice. So I hit the road, traveling all over the world. New York, Atlanta, Chicago, London, Paris. But everywhere I went, there was a ghetto. So I decided I'd just go on back home. Back to the city of the big three. Kentucky Fried Chicken, Ali, and me. So I put together me a real mellow, funky little five-piece band. And we started cooking again. <laughs> <laughs> 